0: hey there everybody and welcome to the sports, sports 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 podcast i'm joel anderson
1: i'm jordan pomaville
0: and joining us as always is the sports outsider phil ranta Woo!
2: yeah i yeah. am here we go podcast time holiday Woo-hoo! season let's yeah. do it i hope everyone had filled, a wonderful thanksgiving
0: his, yeah filled in a traditional pre-podcast bump
2: that's true
1: oh geez
0: well i mean he needs it right
1: what now. are, are we are we are we on showtime now is this a netflix version <laughs> of a podcast yeah that's anti-heroes too anti-heroes too edgy for me
0: yeah sorry sorry
1: I like I my his... good guys good, my bad guys bad, and no ambiguity. Yeah, I got his
0: pre-podcast bump of herbal tea. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, I've been telling you, Phil, you should not snort herbal tea. You should brew <laughs> it. You should steep it, and yeah. we're shorter than maybe other teas.
2: It takes so long to steep things. Ugh.
0: Like I don't, I don't know that that snorting herbal tea is bad for you per se. Like I think it's physically bad for your nostrils, but. uh
1: this yeah, is a sports comedy it a
2: podcast.
1: It's a sports <laughs> comedy podcast. Joel and I, sports insiders, and uh, Phil, sports outsider. Way All outside. comedians, social distancing in sunny Southern California. That's true. Originally from Michigan, the all of us. Yep. There's and, the and context. We, and speaking of Michigan, we, we have a pretty big get, because the Detroit Lions recently fired Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn. Uh, Quinn Trisha, as they're often known on Angry Message God. Boards. I had and... the,
0: I had to text to a friend and I'm like, "You know how I know I'm getting older is that the Lions firing their coach just doesn't fill me with excitement the way it used
2: to." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Too many times, huh? The yeah,
0: whole... you know, I used to be able to tell myself, "Hey, other teams get new coaches and then suddenly, you know, turn around over the next couple of years and become competitive <clears throat> and you know, I just can't get myself to think that anymore." <laughs>
1: Well, we are going to have on the current acting owner of the Detroit Lions, Sheila Ford Hamp. Hey, to, that's great. Uh, yeah, to talk about I guess the transition, how they fired it and maybe a little bit of where the Lions are going. And you know what, Joel, maybe she can give you some hope. Yeah, I have I have some uh, I have some thoughts. I you bet know? you do. But be, hey, be be nice.
0: She's this is agreed the first time the podcast. I've ever been able to speak with an owner of the Lions. So might have some thoughts. Okay,
1: okay, fair, fair. Uh, Phil, we got a wide world of weird sport? You're goddamn right we do. And a sports throughout history, but first, Jordan's Thanksgiving story. Jordan's Thanksgiving, wait a second, what? Brought to you by
2: Jordan's Fried Turkeys. You just have to send a message to Jordan (laughs) Pommerville directly, and then you get a fried turkey directly from his Etsy shop. Eat it up, yum, yum. You allowed to sell food over Etsy?
1: Absolutely. And I paid for that uh, drop right there. with Thank my I, That would not come out of podcast funds. That was from me. I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you, Jordan. I
0: remember because we, we talked about whether or not you could endorse your own products in the middle of the show. Uh Many years ago, and you had told Phil and I that we were not allowed to do that at all. So, if, if
2: he I, pays the price, as long as I keep getting money in my pocket, I don't care where it comes from. The checks right? still was, say payable, too. Yep.
0: It was good to see that now that Jordan has his first crazy get-rich-quick scheme, <laughs> he's choosing to toe the line that he had set up before. Good. You know, right. Selling selling
1: fried turkeys on Etsy. Yep. What, a, yeah. what a great character development for me. Right? <laughs> <True>. It really, <laughs> it really
2: fills you it out is. a bit. <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> okay so as you guys know i'm a Hulkamaniac by choice but michigander by the grace of god yep. yeah and uh some of the great traditions uh of, there's a lot of great traditions of being from michigan and in some cases more specifically metro detroit mm-hmm. and uh, i'm gonna go I'm gonna, I'm gonna just you got you got tigers opening day right it's like a it's like mm-hmm. a holiday downtown you have you have jobby nooner okay got jobby nooner i don't i don't know jobby nooner this is one uh, I figured, this is uh, if you know, you know. Got it. Uh, The International Freedom Fest, which unfortunately they've rebranded the Target Fireworks, but the International Freedom Fest, the Detroit River, is lit up with fireworks to celebrate both Independence Day and Canada Day. Oh, that's nice. You know? And then uh, you got the Hudson's Thanksgiving Day Parade, you know, which was it's a thrill to see as a child, and it was a, a thrill to march in for me as
2: a, as a high schooler. Name dropper.
0: Yeah, wow, that's. That is pretty cool. I only ever got to be in like one parade, not counting the homecoming parade, which you know didn't count.
1: Right, that's a small yeah. We yeah, but you no, know, we had a well, we did a, a a we did a local Memorial Day parade. Uh, we did a homecoming parade, and then the Detroit one was like the one that everyone got excited about. Yeah. Um, uh, but that's of course just the appetizer for the main course, which is the Detroit Lions playing on Thanksgiving Day.
0: Yep. Uh... Right? Since 1934, I believe?
1: That is correct, Joel. That is correct. The tradition dates back to 1934. Why? Because it's a tradition. Why does nobody else play? Because it's our tradition, so shut up. Right. Um, of course, yeah. in uh, 1966, Dallas, suffering an inferiority complex after allowing a really good-looking president to be assassinated in their city, copied mm. our tradition, right? Yeah. Like, like that was somehow going to make up for Johnson and the anti-Castro Cubans, right? <laughs> Spoiler yeah. alert. It's not, okay? <laughs> you know. But anyway, so they they copied and for a very long time the Lions, you know, uh, you know, the Lions have been bad and national media types have been like, "Well, why do you get to do this?" And we say, "Because we started it." And they said that's not a good argument. And then and then anyway, they added a third primetime game. That's the end of that. To to stop people from bagging on the Lions for always playing on Thanksgiving Day. But the other great part about the Lions playing on Thanksgiving is, you know, the whole family comes together, so you get to find out which of your family members are actually good at making fun of the Lions. Okay? Oh, right. Okay? Because
0: many have tried, but to become a master, right. truly a difficult task.
1: It, it really separates the critical thinking, funny, sad people, and the sad people who just get their jokes from drive time morning radio, you know? yeah. yeah. You get to see the house is filled with uncles and cousins, and you can't just use, you don't want to hear, oh, same old Lions, S-O-L, right? Or, uh, snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. Yeah. You know, at least, at least they're consistent.
0: Yeah, why don't you go be a Cubs fan, dude?
1: Yeah. Well, I guarantee they won't lose this Sunday. Oof. <laughs> right. Rough uh, you, comedy. You can't you can't do that on Thanksgiving because everyone's there and they you know. Yeah. Bar is
0: way higher.
1: It, way higher, way higher. So Those I have w- jokes for people from like <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> Whoa. Ho, ho, nice. <laughs> nice Joel. <laughs> nice. Oh man, that makes me very happy. Okay, so uh, I, I've been lucky. I've been to one Detroit Lions Thanksgiving Day game. Ooh. Uh it was I was uh sixteen. My dad got tickets from a friend at work. It was, it's like, in terms of atmosphere, it's like a Monday night game on steroids. Everyone is off work. Oh, hang on, let
0: me see if I can do this. What? Jordan is four years younger than I am, so you were born in 1986?
1: Yeah. So oh, no, no, were... oh, shoot. You know what, I was 17 in this year. Sorry, I, okay. I got... Uh, it was, two, it was so a 2002 you... game. Sorry, I was 17.
0: Okay, so I don't remember that game specifically, but based on the era, I'm pretty sure we lost. <laughs>
1: That's correct, but it's like a it's like a Monday night game on steroids. Everyone's off work. It's the first day of a four day weekend. People are letting loose, right? Yeah. It's the only game on. The year is two thousand two. The three and eight Lions are taking on the six and five New England Patriots.
0: Oh, so we weren't
1: that bad this year? (laughs) Yeah, not. It wasn't. It wasn't (laughs) abject awful. Yeah. Uh, but it was it was Joey Harrington Lions. Oh right! Oh god, to think back. (laughs) So So, two minutes left in the first half, Detroit is down seventeen to three, and Joey Harrington marches them down to the New England seventeen, right? right. This is really exciting, you know, and yeah. uh, so maybe we can maybe we can get a touchdown here. well then uh there are uh, f- three consecutive incomplete passes, you know, with uh, Dominic Rayoli, Rayola throwing in an offensive holding, and yeah. then uh, then we got to kick a field goal.: Yeah. And it was this kind of disappointing. Jason Hansen comes out. He's a great kicker, one of the all-time greats. He kicks a field goal. So now it's 17-6, to 6, but that's really dispiriting, you know, when you run your two-minute drill <laughs> and then you just get a field goal and you're still down two scores. Yeah. And uh, so there's, there's 40 seconds left in the half. The Detroit Lions got a kickoff. And then there's a TV timeout. Sold-out crowd at Ford Field. Completely silent. And, <laughs> and I think Joel knows what I'm talking about, maybe Phil less so. There are times during a game where it's just the crowd, the the, the dim you know, hum of the crowd is so low because everyone's just sort of like, meh,
2: meh Right, they're all upset.
1: Know. Yeah, we're like, you know, no, you know. They're so, all sitting
0: there trying to think of something to say to the person that they're there with. Right, right. That will somehow <laughs> cut through the awkwardness of how badly the Lions are fumbling this, this game.
1: Right, and so... We're coming out of the TV timeout and it's, it's very quiet, and then the announcer goes, uh, remember fans, coming up on uh, coming up at halftime is a performance by recording superstar Bon Jovi oh. and, and this achieved a very muted reaction and and about <laughs>
0: about
1: ten seconds after he said it, and again the place is completely silent, this guy, this drunk guy a few rows ahead of us, just jumps up out of nowhere and goes hey." but Jovi sucks <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: and like you know like 10,000 people in our area heard it because it was very quiet sure yeah. and hysterical laughter really really cut the tension
0: yeah everyone laughing at everyone I really think, I don't think we should we should laugh at our truth tellers <laughs> right well it was it you was know, it was th- certain things that you <laughs> should be able to stand up at any point in time and shout because they're known truths
1: about life and the world. I would say it was cathartic laughter, Joel.
0: Okay. All we were right.
1: not laughing at him. We we were laughing at the situation.
0: Okay, yeah, you know what? That's better.
1: He you know, he 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 was the he was the hero we deserved at that moment. Yeah. Um but uh so we 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 all really needed that and we needed that man and uh we laughed and laughed and laughed and and the and the Lions would go on to lose uh 20 to 12 in a really yeah. frustrating game. Who I um, don't say. But but for the record, Vanessa Carlton performed with Bon Jovi at halftime and was excellent. There we go. <laughs> so, silver lining, huh? Yeah. Jordan's Thanksgiving story. Jordan's
0: Thanksgiving. Oh, hey, wait a second. Brought to you by Jordan's Friday
2: turkeys buy it now from his etsy shop and it'll then you just have to refry it just a little bit to crisp it back up once you get it in the mail
0: and now sports throughout history it's time for another sports throughout history guys
2: brought to you by The History Channel. We're doing the history of table legs because we've already done so much history. Just so much history.
1: (laughs) I just, I thought I was left wanting after the the history of chair legs. Yeah. So I'm really glad they're getting into that.
0: I really thought after chair legs, they were going to go back to their their more normal programming of just World War II again.
2: Yeah, I think they've done all of World War II pretty well. Extra color. This time
1: we added colors that weren't even there.
0: Uh, Well, that, that, Jordan, you're thinking of Netflix. The World War II in color. Uh, Which, by the way, you know, if you're ever cleaning the house in a weekend, that's a good one to put on.
1: I want want the one I pitched, though. I want fucking Andy Warhol, like, silkscreen, like, with, like, Hitler's mustache is, like, green. And his his (laughs) eyes are blue. Yeah,
0: World War II
2: discolored.
1: Yeah! Yeah!
0: I like that. Actually, now, now, guys, and I'm for serious pitching this, we should do, we should do, like, a, one of those funny shows where you just use you know, like, uh, C-Lab 2020 where they... 2020 oh, God, Wars. I love it. Yeah. But we take World War II footage and just add what, like, Winston Churchill and Hitler are saying, but then it's all weird colors like Andy Warhol.
1: Yeah, oh, we'll do deep fakes!
0: We'll do deep fakes! There we go, exactly. deep fakes! Exactly. That said... I know that you guys are trying to hijack my segment because I'm prone to tangents, but let's bring it back to sports throughout history.
1: Okay.
2: Hey, Phil,
0: how
1: great was Sassy Justice? Oh, Sassy Justice was hilarious. Google it if you
2: haven't seen it. Hey,
0: hey, hey, hey. I see what's happening. I I hear what's happening here. (laughs) The Summit Series. Or Super Series, known at the time simply as the Canada-USSR Series, was an eight-game ice hockey series between the Soviet Union and Canada, held in its September of 1972. Oof. The first competition between the Soviet national team and a Canada team represented by the professional players known collectively as Team Canada.
2: It was nice. the first
0: international ice hockey competition for Canada after they had withdrawn from such competitions in a dispute with the International Ice Hockey Federation.
1: Because they were a bunch of hosers, right?
0: Yeah, and here's the thing. Calling yourself the International Ice Hockey Federation, but Canada's withdrawn, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, what? Like, I mean, it's different now, but especially in the 70s. If you're an International Ice Hockey Federation that doesn't include uh, Canada... You're not.
1: Well, I was sure. going to say, I think they could be an international ice hockey federation.
0: Yeah. Not the
1: international yeah, ice hockey federation.
0: Thank you, Jordan. That is that is an excellent use of grammar. I'm ashamed <laughs> that I didn't think of it myself. <laughs> uh, yeah, so going back to 1920, obviously everyone knows that's the first time the IIHF threw the ice hockey world championships. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Canada would send uh, an amateur club team, usually the previous year's Allen Cup champion, uh, to compete as the Canada entry. Uh, these teams were often university players or unplayed players playing ice hockey while being employed in some other profession full-time. Uh, so from the 20s to the 50s, uh, the amateur clubs still won most of the world championships and Olympic titles. Hmm. Because Canada. <laughs> sure. Right, right. Oh, that makes right? sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh but uh that started to trail off. The last Canadian amateur club to win the world championship was the Trail Smoke Eaters in the nineteen sixty one year.
2: Cool name.
0: Right? That they eat is the smoke awesome. or they
2: eat the trails. Or they eat the trail smoke.
0: Not entirely sure. That's cool. Uh but <laughs> in the meantime, uh the rise of Russian hockey, which I'm not going to detail, because I think we all know it, but I will say uh, Red Army, I believe, is an excellent documentary that really goes into how, how fascinating this was, that the Soviets really didn't have access to, to Canadian hockey experts and just designed their own, their own game, started playing it themselves uh, in a way that was really fascinating. So everyone should look into that, but I'm not going to belabor it, because I think we've
1: all seen Miracle. Right, and, and Rocky Four. Right. Yeah. They Lots shot of the chemicals. hockey players up with chemicals. They attached yeah. them to computers. Yeah. Well, you know how it was.
0: Uh, the Soviet Union had <laughs> way more money and technology than the United States. <laughs> and so we had to we had to rely on you know like lifting logs to beat them. That's yes. why the Cold War was such a big deal.
1: Yeah. Right. Wheel wheelbarrows. <laughs>
0: Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and skip through all the training and prep because it was mostly the Canadians gathering all of the best, uh, hockey players in 1972 who were Canadian, mm-hmm. which was basically all of the best hockey players. Sure. That tracks. Uh, and the expectations guys, Canadians were pretty sure they were going to win. Like they were, uh, they were pretty sure that the only reason the Soviets looked so good it's because they were playing a bunch of like juniors, you know, and they're like, but, but
1: really, like if, if we, if we really tried, of course we'd win. Right. Well, also, if they're looking at game film and it's like Russians playing Russians, they're like, oh, well, that's why they're doing good. They're just playing each other.
0: Exactly. Well, it was like Russians playing Russians uh, and then there'd be international competitions. And it was like Russians playing guys from the beer leagues and college students. But not the good college students, because who would play college hockey? You'd play juniors in Canada, and then go pro directly. Exactly. So, uh, Game 1 was held in Montreal, in a very warm Montreal Forum, on September 2nd, before 18,818 fans. Wow. The gamesmanship between the teams started before the opening puck drop. Canada was assigned the home team for all games in Canada... Well, the Soviets would be the home teams in Moscow. Okay. Glad that this article clarified
1: that. I don't know where I'd be without that clarification. Phew. Uh,
0: The Soviets would not release their lineup until they had seen their opponents, which was the opposite order considering they were the visitors. Hmm. So... What the hell?
2: So they were all just like mystery people that when they announced them, they went, oh, no, not Dimitro Vladichev, like that. But also in hockey, you change the lines out pretty
0: quickly. So I don't know why this would have been that big a deal.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Crazy.
0: Uh, So game one, uh, in the second period, Soviets pull ahead Hmm. 3-2. Karlamov... Uh, hang on, what's his, his first name? Let's just call him Karlamov. Uh, Deeked Don Are, skated around him, faked a backhand shot on goaltender Ken Dryden, and scored in the forehand. Guess what? At this point, everyone's thinking, what the hell? The what Soviets just happened? Play? Yeah, this is not supposed to happen. Ken Dryden is Ken Dryden. Uh, so from there, it goes poorly. Soviets scored twice in the final minutes. Win seven to three wow yeah cue panic throughout canada <laughs> like if you're really thinking about it like i think canada has really been largely okay with just sort of being america jr in almost all things except for what like gun violence and hockey
2: <laughs> sure right, the big yeah. two as we call it
0: yeah right <laughs> Uh, but, but that gets harder. It's like, if you're not the best hockey team, then it's like, God, what the hell is Canada?
1: Are we just the big one? Is it just gun
0: violence that we're better at? Cause then, cause then, yeah. Then it's like, oh, what are we then? Like, it's like England all over. There's no, there's no
1: Olympic sport for that.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Uh, so it doesn't necessarily get that much better after game one. (laughs) <laughs> uh, so the uh, the Soviets do lose game two Little bit of panic uh, subsides Because it's, uh, it's a 4-1 win So it's sort of like, okay, we're getting used to it But here we go uh, Game three was played in Winnipeg Arena On uh, September 6th And ends in a 4-4 tie uh, Team Canada held leads of 3-1 And 4-2 uh, but but ends in a four four tie.
1: Yikes! So I have a I have a quick clarification point, uh, Joel. You said this yep. was an eight game series. An eight game series. So is it a best of nine or what? Like, I think or, they were just
0: going to play eight games. Oh, they're just really going to play hope eight. It didn't end four to four.
1: Okay. So because huh. it's, it's an exhibition. It's an exhibition technically. So they're just playing eight total games. Got it. Yeah. And now yeah. the series is 1-1-1 after three games.
0: Right. Uh, but then game four, Canada also loses.
2: Yikes. Phil Panic.
0: Esposito, in a post-game interview on national television, said the following, to the people across Canada, we tried, we gave it our best, and to the people at boo us, geez. I'm really, all of us guys are really disheartened, and we're disillusioned, and we're disappointed at some of the people. We cannot believe the bad press we've got, the booing we've gotten in our own buildings. If the Russians boo their players, the fans uh, oh, that's a weird quote, but but Phil Esposito was pretty pretty upset.
2: Sure. In the
1: Russia, we boo them, make them stronger. Yeah. Uh
0: so (laughs) I I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna skip ahead to game six here, because this is This is the real key moment of the series. You could say it's where Canada really asserted itself as Canada. At this point, uh, it's game six and they are trailing, uh, three games to one. It's three, one, and one going into game six. Uh, and that's when we get to what is known as the slash. uh Known simply as the slash. uh during Game Six, Valeri Karlamov, who was uh, one of the best forwards for Team Russia, was targeted for attention by Team Canada. Now, Jordan, uh, why don't I explain to Phil when I say targeted for attention? Do I mean like it's gonna take it fishing more often?
1: Oh, uh, I, I think they're gonna gonna rough him up a little bit, maybe.
0: Bingo, bingo! <laughs> because guess what? One of those things that the Russians didn't really incorporate into their version of hockey was the completely psychotic violence that Canadians believed to be fundamental to the sport.
2: Of course. Ah, that is.
1: You know what? That's on them for not doing their research.
0: Yeah. Uh, So things started to heat up in the second period. Carla Moffin knocked down Bobby Clark. Uh, Bobby Clark, of course, the captain of uh, the Philadelphia Phillies, known at the time as the Broad Street Bullies. Nice. Yeah. You know how there's a rule that if you leave the bench during a fight on the ice, you're suspended for like five games? Yep. That's because of these guys. <laughs> you, back then, it was really just sort of like, yes, there will be a bench clearing brawl at some point during the game, and Philadelphia has pretty well positioned themselves to be the best team at bench clearing brawls in all of hockey. Sure. Uh, so Karlamov is skating on an injured ankle. Uh, and, of course, Bobby Clark starts racing down the ice, trying to slash him in the sore ankle. Uh, and he succeeds. He breaks his ankle. Oh, oh. God. <laughs> so uh, so here's the thing, guys. The rest of the series, after one of their best uh, position players had his ankle broken uh, intentionally by another player... Uh, things started to go not as well for the Soviets. Sure. The incident was widely reported and get this condemned by the Soviet press. <laughs> again yeah. you guys just aren't doing your research.
1: You gotta know that like why did you let them know he had a, he had a sprained ankle? You, yeah. say, you say lower body injury. Exactly. It's like lo- <laughs> I don't know if you knew this Phil, but
0: in the playoffs they only list uh, injuries for hockey players as upper body. Or lower body injury.
2: Oh, I see. Because if you
0: get more specific than that, the other team will hit them in that part.
2: Oh, that's smart. Okay.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I get it. (laughs) I get it. So let's try this, Phil. What is a
2: broken ankle? Lower body injury. Bingo. Separated shoulder. Upper body injury. Bingo. Sprained knee. Lower body injury. Bingo. Concussion. Upper body injury.
1: Don't say anything. Don't say anything. Don't say
2: anything. Nope. You're wrong, Phil. So don't say anything. Oh, don't tell You don't don't have a concussion. Concussions don't count? Okay. No injury. (laughs) Very good.
0: Uh, So the slash was apparently done at the instigation of assistant coach John Ferguson, the enforcer for those legendary Montreal teams of the 60s. Sweep
2: the leg.
0: (laughs) I remember that Karlamov's ankle was hurting pretty bad. I called Clark over the bench, looked over at Karlamov, and said, I think he needs a tap in the ankle. I didn't think think twice about it. It was us versus them, and Karlamov was killing us. I mean, somebody had to do it.
1: (laughs) Sure. Oh, awesome.
0: Canadian journalist Dick Beddoes asked Clark about it later at a team reunion, calling it a wicked two-hander. To which Clark replied, Dick, if I hadn't learned how to lay on a two-hander every once in a while, I'd never have left Flimflon. That being the name of the small Canadian mining city where he came from. (laughs) Flimflon?
2: What is this, a Rick and Morty alien? Yeah, I was going (laughs) to say. Nope.
0: Flimflon. Uh, In a 2006 interview with Russian Sport Express magazine, Clark stated that he was unaware of Karlamov's sore ankle at the time and does not recall Ferguson telling him to target the ankle. Bullshit.
2: (laughs) Lower body injury.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Everybody already knew. Uh, Karlamov himself believed that Bobby Clark was given the job of taking me out of the game. Perceptive. (laughs) Uh, The slash, uh, yeah, like I said. So, uh, guess what? Canada goes on. To win game six, three to two. And then game seven, four to three. And then game eight, six to five. Uh, ultimately giving them a win. It's five, three, and one pro Canada. Though anybody who likes to follow goal, di- goal differential might go
1: ahead and point out that. I thought you said three... there was a tie. Wouldn't it be yeah. four? So
2: four, three, it one. Was
1: five,
0: three, and one.
1: That'd, That'd be nine, nine games.
0: games. What did I just do wrong there?
2: I don't know. Five, five three, and one is, is nine eight, games.
0: Four, three,
2: and one. There yeah.
0: we go. I I can do math. Shut up. And that's it's a good thing. You're pretty. Sports throughout history. Bum
2: bum ba bum, bum bum bum. Brought to you by the History Channel. Uh, let's do the uh, history of table feet next, I guess. Joining us now on the podcast is
1: Sheila Hampford, Ford, owner of the Detroit Lions. Hi, thanks for having me on the podcast.
0: Hey, thanks for coming on, hey. Sheila. Yeah. Uh, gotta say, I am a long longtime Lions fan. Uh-oh. Yeah. The, the pause here is actually for you to apologize.
2: Oh, no, I'm not going to apologize. I'm glad that you got all of that entertainment. And, wow. and for free. And, and for free, Joel.
0: And for free, Uh, not
1: for free.
2: Well, if you choose to pay, that's your prerogative.
1: (laughs) I listen on the radio for free. It's great.
0: Well, I mean, not technically for free, because you are being subjected to advertising.
1: Anyway, uh, Sheila, you're on the podcast because uh, we want to talk about maybe the direction the Lions are going in. We understand that you took over... Uh, uh for your mother uh, yeah Martha. but i've been
2: involved for a very long time so don't let that sway i've i've been really the one that's been controlling things behind the scenes for a long time
1: that would make sense william playford wow, senior you'd
0: be willing to admit that
2: oh of course
1: it's and been so- <laughs> me all along and so recently after this disappointing uh thanksgiving day performance matt patricia head coach and bob quinn general manager both been relieved of their duties I guess maybe you could tell us a little bit about uh, what led to this decision and maybe the direction the Lions will be going in.
2: I think I can sum it up in a very short song. Okay. Bump, bump, bump. Another two bite the dust. Bump, bump, (laughs) bump. Another two bite the dust. And Patricia's gone and Quinn is gone. Another two bite the dust. Hey, I'm going to fire you too. Another two bite the dust. And Uh... they did. They're fired. Well,
0: yeah, that that <laughs> I'm not happy about you writing songs about this.
2: Oh, but that's that's the thing. It's the it's the drama. It's the drama of another two being fired.
1: Well, I think I'm glad that you made this move, and I think Joel would agree. I don't think Matt Tr- Patricia was ever the answer. It never, not even
2: when no. he was being hired. We just knew. I was like, "Ooh, one of these days, you're going to be so fired."
0: Right. I mean, I think. All Lions fans naturally understood that to be the most likely outcome. Oh, yes. But but I think a lot of us at least tried to convince ourselves. We were like, Matt Patricia, he's a, a Bill Belichick disciple. So is Bob Quinn, our general manager. Like, maybe we'll be able to capture some of that Patriots magic.
2: That's one of the most fun parts is when everyone goes, oh, maybe this one will work out. Oh, and I'm like, ooh, what they don't know is this person's going to be so fired.
0: Wait. Did you say fun? Because I don't, I don't know that it was fun. I think it was at this oh, point. Oh, it's, all, like it's emotionally... all wonderfully
2: fun. The press makes a hoopla out of it. And you see their sad faces walking away with their banker boxes full of picture frames of their family. It's a wonderful, wonderful event to watch more GMs and coaches get fired from the Lions.
0: What the, what the, what the hell is wrong with you, lady?
2: What? Yeah, it's a
1: little, that's a little weird. Are, are you oh. telling me this is what, like, is this a sort of treatment or excitement you get out of, like, uh, Jim Codwell before him? Oh
2: yeah, that was a uh, good one. That was a great fight. Who was
1: before Jim Codwell, Joel? Was Jim Bob Cooter ever interim? Ooh. No, uh,
0: before Jim Caldwell was, uh, oh, criminy.
2: They don't even have names to me anymore. Yeah,
0: they all sort of blur together after a certain point.
2: One of the greatest joys of owning a team is is that moment when somebody walks into your office and you get to look them square in the eye and say, your life is ruined. Get the hell out of here. In shame.
1: So you're saying this is the same treatment then, and I'm going to go down the list here. The previous coach, Jim Caldwell, got the Lions to the playoffs twice.
2: Fired. You did that to him? Of course I did. So fun. That was a good one. So when
0: you hired Jim Caldwell, you knew that he was going... To not work out and get fired.
2: I was thinking, ooh, this one looks like a crier, and you know what? I was right.
0: I mean, I was thinking this probably isn't gonna work out because uh, you know, Jim Caldwell had already demonstrated himself to be at mediocre at best with Indianapolis, but Yeah. But at least with uh with Jim Schwartz, you know, like he was, he was coming from Philly. He was fiery. I think a lot of us, for a while, maybe thought that he was going to be the guy to turn it all around. Yeah, I mostly, I seconds, mostly hired seconds him seconds because
2: either. he had a sad face, so I thought that that firing would be really fun. And, yeah. and be- before him, you had Rod Marinelli. Oh yeah, the Italians yeah. are very emotional people. <laughs> very fun firing like, that. Everybody one was.
0: really felt like you know Rod Marinelli was a really beloved coach he'd been uh i think the defensive line coach in tampa bay under uh dungy during those really great years
1: he oh, said pound uh, the rock very convincingly yeah and when you so asked him what are you old- gonna do they said we're gonna pound the rock
2: oh and my yeah. favorite part about it is like i just pounded your career because you're fired oh it was great it <laughs> Did was you quite watch a turn too of much thing.
1: of the apprentice because
2: i don't care for television now
1: See, yeah, you don't – she's very old money, Joel. Yeah. Yeah. So let me let me ask you then. Okay, so you had uh, Steve Mariucci. Well, before Mari- that, it was Steve Mariucci, right? Mm. And
0: Steve Mariucci was, at this point, well-known, had a lot of success in San Francisco. He was bringing in the West Coast offense. Uh, I remember we, we hired him without even interviewing minority candidates and got fined for it.
2: Well, so, I'll tell you, he wasn't Mariucci, the day I fired him, he was sad, Uchi. Because he Before was For him,
1: fired. Marty Morningweg. Oh, Marty
0: he Morningweg was, morning who was
2: the head coach of his job. My... Everybody,
0: everybody knew that guy was an idiot from the get go. Yeah.
2: Uh... I wanted a quick firing on that one. Ooh, and I got it.
0: Okay. Well, prior to that. And now, now we're into years that I actually remember fondly, in spite of everything, the, the Barry Sanders years. Oh,
2: yeah, I was young then. I was just so a you young executive.
0: Bobby Ross came in in 97, and I think, you know, a lot of people underestimate the first thing he did was put a fullback in front of Barry Sanders, who immediately produced an 1,800 and a 2,000-yard series, thus demonstrating just how colossal an idiot the prior guy was, and we'll obviously get to him in a minute, but uh But
2: more importantly, that's when I was getting my first firings, and you never forget your first firings.
1: Oh really? Oh, what, the what about a maker special?
2: It's the thrill of going into that room and just knowing that somebody's dreams are about to be crushed. You can feel the tension in the air, and you get to look at them with a wide grinchy grin and say, You're fired. Get the hell out of here. Oh, Let it's me- so wonderful.
1: Let me ask you one more thing about the joy that you seem to get from firing these people. Yes. Is a small measure of it maybe knowing that once someone is fired from the Lions as head coach, they're not going to be a head
2: coach ever again. Yes, you know, they're right right, straight to the bread lines as soon as the money's gone. Oh, that makes it even better. Being old money, you learn cruelty from your birth. You know, you learn to watch people starve in the streets and not care. And Uh, I think that's what makes firings really fun for old money folks.
0: Okay, well, tell you what, I actually, I'd like to posit uh, uh, a suggestion, a theory, whatever you want to call it here.
2: Oh, of course. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, So I get that you enjoy firing people, Mm -hmm. and so it goes. Yeah. But what if we were to pick uh, other portions of the organization that you were to play these games with? Like, what if I said to you that maybe you would try to find someone competent to be like the coach and the GM, and you could fire everyone in the marketing department every year?
2: Oh, it's just not fun when it's not played out in the press. Oh, Oh, come it's on. just no I'm, fun unless ESPN.com sure, shames sure them in front could, of everybody.
0: I'm sure we could convince Detroit media... <laughs> to cover your marketing. I want national
2: media. I want international media. I want to see the big downfalls from riches to poors. Oh, it's just not fun unless you see somebody go from top of the world to bottom of the ocean. You know what I mean? Watching them get fired and watching everyone pile on them and Twitter say they never should have been hired in the first place. Oh, you see, Joel, the cruelty is the point.
1: What advice would you give a hypothetical new coach coming in that you're going to be hiring,
0: Jordan? What do you don't don't indulge her.
2: Uh, I want to I want to wrap this up, Joel. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The advice I think the the number one advice that I would give them is um, make sure to always have tissues in your side pocket because I strike at a moment's notice. All right, Sheila.
1: Well, yeah. it was, it was uh, educational interviewing you
2: today. Oh, I can't wait to buy Comedy Podcast Network and fire both of you. And now it's time for another Wide World of Weird Sports! Oh, it's Wide World of Weird Sports time for those Wide World of Weird Sports! Wide World of Weird Sports.
0: What do we got this week?
2: This week's Wide World of Weird Sports, the Jake Paul versus Nate Robinson boxing match. <laughs> what is this?
0: This is definitely not a sports throughout history.
2: No, this just happened yesterday, but this is uh, Jake Paul and Nate Robinson was the undercard to the Mike Tyson-Roy Jones undercard, or uh, 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 main match. Um, Jake Paul is a popular YouTuber, started on Vine. His brother Logan Paul uh, became famous, and he kind of rode that wave, and then he became more famous than his brother, of course, runs Team 10, one of the biggest YouTuber collectives. Nate Robinson.
0: YouTuber collectives?
2: Yeah. Like, they all live in one house, and they kind of create content together.
0: Oh, God, that sounds like the worst thing ever.
2: Yeah, Nate Robinson, I believe basketball player, right? Oh, is he? Yeah. (laughs) All right, well.
0: I think it's been established in the podcast that the sports insiders are not professional basketball insiders.
2: No, no, not at all.
0: Much to the chagrin of Mike Menino, but so it goes.
2: Sure. Uh, Well, I I had to kind of pull this together from a few articles because there was not one definitive, say, Wikipedia article of something that just happened. Uh, But this one on ESPN.com starts, Nate Robinson should not have been in a boxing ring. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh Uh, Uh-oh. You do not want to be a professional
0: athlete who just got his ass kicked by a YouTuber.
2: Yeah, yeah. That much was clear Saturday night at Staples Center in Los Angeles on the Mike Tyson-Roy Jones Jr. undercard. Making his pro boxing debut against one fight veteran and YouTube sensation Jake Paul, Robinson had speed. He had aggression. He also very quickly and very definitively got knocked out less than two minutes into the second round. So Wait,
1: you're telling me, and I'll be honest, I was not following this. A, a, a former American professional basketball player got knocked out by some YouTuber brutally.
2: Yes, was is he on drugs or something? Did like he let his life go to shit or something? How no, did this happen? Th- this is a side note, but Mike Tyson was on drugs and he won too. <laughs> he said he smoked <laughs> marijuana right before the match and right, I didn't. Done. I didn't mean.
1: I mean real drugs. I was wondering did Nate like Nate Robertson like did he like become destitute and he's
2: doing this for some money or something no it just looks like i mean i watched the match uh bootlegged (laughs) online oops uh it looked like he just didn't train and it looks like jake paul which you know famously he you can see it on his vlogs and stuff he trained very hard for this oh wow you know i mean
1: i would too if i'm going up against a professional athlete yeah yeah
2: But he had really good form and he was just like, it was uh, Jake Paul looked like a real boxer and the other guy just looked like he was like, all right, I'll step into the ring, whatever, you know? Oh, God.
0: Well, I got to throw this out here. I think it's just a real shame, you know, that a fight between two, you know, serious professional boxers and Roy Jones Jr. and Mike Tyson, you know, both former title holders is besmirched by some sort of sideshow in the undercard.
2: Fair, uh, but, you yeah. know, they were kind of a sideshow to a sideshow.
0: No, 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 That's I was making a joke. <laughs> ah, gotcha, <laughs> yeah. gotcha. Uh, Sometimes an- sarcasm doesn't read with the sports outsider. That's
2: fair, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, analyst Sugar Ray Leonard said, you don't play boxing. That's yeah. true.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's yep. one of those things that, uh, that some people just don't get, but it's like, yeah. You get really tired when you fight real fast, so you got to work out a whole bunch just to like not fall over. And yeah. And then also, yeah, you get hit in the face a lot, whether you like it or not. Right.
2: No, it's true. Robinson Actually, to quote zero. Mike Tyson. Yeah.
0: Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face.
2: That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, Robinson now zero and one. Learned that lesson in the most brutal way. He was knocked down in the first round, rushing at Paul, which hilariously rushing at Paul, not a boxing move. It looked like he just charged him like a rhino. <laughs> uh, when Paul, who is and 2-0 with two KOs, yes, uh, Logan Paul, or uh, Jake Paul also boxed a few other times um, against KSI, another YouTuber in one, uh, hit him just above the ear.
0: Yep. That's, that's the sweet spot.
2: Yep. In the second round, Paul hit Robinson on the forehead to knock him down again, and he hit him again when it looked like Nate Robinson was again charging at him for no reason. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I would look up clips. You can find them on Twitter and stuff. It's hilarious. Somehow, Robinson got up again, but it wasn't for long. Robinson once again ran into Paul, and Paul just timed his punch to one of Robinson's aggressive moves forward, knocking him out completely. And when I... what was the combo that put him down? I, well, it was hard to see because he kind of ran at him, but it looked like <laughs> it looked like Jake Paul kind of swung with his right arm as he ran at him. It looks like he connected to the, kind of the side of the face, and Robinson went face down into the mat, like he was out, out. So Jake had to oh. kind of step out of his way. while he just fell straight to down. Let him
1: fall? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. It if was you don't pretty watch br- a lot brutal. of
0: boxing, you might not really understand what people mean by the phrase, like, out in his feet, or like yeah. he was <laughs> unconscious before he hit the mat. Yeah. But when you watch a person fall, it's very clear whether their leg muscles are doing, like, even the tertiary work that they just sort of do automatically, and when they're completely slack right. long before they even start falling.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, he was pretty out. Paul landed a yeah. total of eight punches and three of them led to knockdowns, including the overhand right that ended the fight. Paul said he wow. fought with a broken nose after falling on his face meditating and couldn't spar until recently.
0: Oh, my God. Now, I have to
2: say, I've been to a handful of parties where Jake Paul has also been there. I don't believe Ooh. that he fell on his face meditating <laughs> <Break> his nose. <laughs>
0: That's actually better, because I think if, if you go into a boxing match and it's like, oh, I lost in spite of the fact that this guy had a broken nose from meditating. Yeah. There's no good way to spin that.
2: Well, luckily, Jake Paul said he is now going to focus on his music, but added, I'm willing to be patient with his boxing career and believes he has a future in the sport.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's how boxing really works, is when you're in your 20s, you're just really patient and wait things out.
2: Yeah. And that brings it on to another wide world of a weird sports. Oh, people can get famous in 30 different ways now because apparently you can do anything when you're famous. The
1: citizens of Podcast Town, this brings you a close to the sports. 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 Podcast. But before we go, we're going to bring back Sheila Hamp Ford to give you our contact information.
2: Hi. Uh, yes, you can find us on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash sports number three podcast. That's facebook.com slash sports number three podcast. While you're there, make sure to share articles and add some snark about all my wonderful firings. Or you can find us on Twitter by going to twitter.com slash sports number three podcast. That's twitter.com slash sports number three podcast. Oh, so many hot takes on my wonderful, wonderful firings. Or you can find all of our back episodes at anchor.fm slash sports number three podcast. That's anchor.fm slash sports number three podcast. Download all the podcasts, all the podcasts that talk about the Lions and listen to the wonderful, wonderful firings of me, Sheila, who loves to fire. Thank you, Sheila. You're welcome. Hey, guys. Joel.
0: Joel. You know, if Jake Paul can maintain a rate of three knockdowns for every eight punches thrown, he might actually have a pretty big career.
1: Bye, Bye, Joel. Joel.